Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal, bringing 379,000 readers the latest farming news and the best of rural Ireland weekly. Listening to those voices in Tullamore Mart is Professor Thea Hennessy, who was the chairperson of this report, also the Dean of Cork University Business School. Thanks very much for talking to us this morning, Professor. For a really long time, a lot of people in ag and in the environment sector as well have been saying, can somebody please show us a roadmap with costings for how we actually do the carbon cutting required? This report, your report, is a first stab at that. Good morning, Philip. That's right. It's a, it's a first step and I think it's been made clear there by the farmers you spoke to that it really highlights how difficult this is going to be. It does, doesn't it? I mean, a best of practice man like Ed Rowe isn't going to get anywhere near 100%. It shows there's a lot of challenges ahead. There is. And I guess, you know, the target for the sector is challenging at 25%. And what we have been doing over the last six months is reviewing all of the scientific information that's available, selecting the measures that can help us reduce emissions, looking at the cost of them, and then seeing how far they can take us on the journey. One of the things that I thought was interesting about your report is you clearly have no time for unicorns that keep on coming up in discussion about emission reductions, things like seaweed and so on. You were only prepared to countenance use of proven existing technology. That's right, Philip. So as part of the process, the Environmental Protection Agency were represented in the group. And for them, it's very important that anything we're we're claiming we can do can be verified and it can be fed into the national statistics in terms of the inventory. So it really has to be scientific measures that have been proven and we have to have evidence of their adoption at the farm level. So I guess our most kind of early science um, solution, you might describe it, is feed technologies. Um, feed mitigate or emission mitigating uh, feeds that can be given to animals, and they are at early stages. But there, there is really good evidence that they can be adopted within the time frame we're looking at. Okay, so all of these different measures uh, ideally will add up to something that still falls short of the twenty five percent figure. But that is reliant upon one hundred percent implementation, and there's still a gap there by my maths, which is open to correction, of about 200,000 cattle. So for everything less than 100% implementation, we're talking about more cattle that are going to need to be removed from the herd, aren't we? Yes, so even in the best case scenario, and like when we say 100% implementation, we have targets in there. It's not everybody doing everything, but it's it's our most optimistic scenario. We still don't get to the 25% and there's still a gap. That's why we've included two measures which, you know, there was a lot of objections to by many within the group, but those measures are focused on diversification, reducing animal numbers or extensification, or extensification, reducing animal numbers or diversification going into a different farm business. Um, Tell me about the reaction of the various stakeholders around the table. The IFA, the ICMSA, the ICSA were right there with you in the room up until the end, but they said that they couldn't support the report. What did they tell you about why it is that they couldn't support it? Well, I suppose at the very beginning, we had a lot of discussion about the you know, validity of the target and whether it was achievable and um, the whole issue of carbon leakage, the fact that we could reduce our food production here and it increases in other places in the world and we're no better from a climate change perspective. And look, they're all very valid arguments. 
Um, the very challenging profitability levels within the beef sector uh, was another issue. But I was given a specific task mm. to do, and that was to focus on the 25% target and how we could get there. And because so, that's legally binding now, it trumps all other arguments, basically, does it? That's it, yeah. So it's a legally binding agreement, and we had to look at how we could get there. So then it was a matter of looking at the measures. And I guess as you go down through the measures, the different farm organisations had, had various objections in terms of how achievable they are and we heard some of the the challenges there and then in terms of the extensification and diversification measures what that would do to the beef sector in Ireland in terms of their their number of farmers Because Beef Industry Ireland also said that they couldn't support the report because presumably a reduction of the number of animals means a reduction of output and therefore profit That's right. So I suppose the concern about the overall output of the sector, the throughput in factories, what that would mean for for jobs and even maybe some processing plants in more marginal areas, their viability in the longer term if you have significantly reduced number of animals in the sector. The maths is undeniable. It has a logic all of its own that is absolutely irresistible. But there's a social piece to this here as well. Have you any sympathy for the suckler farmers who feel that they are being thrown under the bus to allow the dairy sector to continue to expand? I do, of course. I mean, we're seeing a growing proportion of the the beef sector in Ireland coming from the dairy herd. The suckler herd is already contracting and this is another argument that was being made by the stakeholders. We're already doing our bit in the beef sector. But I suppose we are looking at the sector as a whole and we have looked at all of the measures. The dairy report which preceded us has also made a proposal for an exit scheme on the dairy side. So I think the short answer is we're not going to reach this target without all farmers Mm. playing their part in some way, whether that's adopting additional measures or reducing output. There was a word that kept on coming up in the conversations I was having with farmers about abandonment and what it would do to them to see the land lying fallow and unused. Do you accept that land will be abandoned or are there other ways around this? I think there are other ways around it. First of all, we're talking about voluntary schemes. So it's really about farmers who want to reduce output or change their farm system. And even in our diversification scheme, what we're talking about is a payment being made for reducing the number of breeding animals. But that doesn't, you know, prevent the farmer from entering other farm systems, whether that's rearing uh, other beef animals, uh, whether it's going into sheep production, uh, you know, bioenergy, forestry, whatever the other options might be. So, like, I think land abandonment, uh, there isn't a tradition of it in Ireland and I would be surprised if it would be an outcome of, of these measures. Professor Thea Hennessy, thank you very much for talking to us this morning.